You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we are live in Austin, Texas, with none other than Cody McLean. He is the founder of Support Ninja. He started his first business at 15 years old under very adverse circumstances. Uh, he has since then sold three of his companies, and now with Support Ninja has over 250 employees in the Philippines. We had the unique opportunity to hike the Inca Trail together this summer, and uh, Cody, yeah, I just wanted to invite you on, pick your brain. I know that you're an expert in productivity. Uh, you write a blog about that. Um, some of the articles I reread on the way over here, which I really appreciated, and uh yeah, I'd love to, to just have you tell your, your story a little bit. Just uh, who is Cody McLean? How's that sound? Oh, I love broad questions. Uh, <laughs> you can go uh, anywhere you want. Uh, I mean, I, I originally, I've actually uh, had a book written. So uh, we're trying to figure out now exactly uh, who to find, that, find a publisher with that for. Um, but initially, really, I hope to inspire young kids and, and underprivileged children and wherever they come from, whoever you may be, that you have the power and you have the, the, the internal motivation. And it's, it's really, it doesn't matter really whatever happens, uh, you, you're capable of doing, uh, whatever you want. And I grew up in, as you said, in adverse circumstances. Uh, my dad died when I was 11. My, my mom died when I was 17 and I actually started my first business when I was 15. Um, so I, I started with a business and it was really what kept me going. And so I built that business up. Um, I lost it. And I started up other businesses. I didn't. I didn't stop. Uh, and then, you know, today I'm I'm here where I've been able to, to grow this this fairly successful company. Um, and prior to, to starting this company, my my last company I sold, um, I realized for a, a huge portion of my life I was just focusing on the business. I used the business to distract me from all my pains and all my worries and and everything else that was going on around me. Uh, and I took the time off. I, I started reading. I started learning. Meditation. I started learning uh, how to improve my efficiency in my work. Um, I started. Uh, I became a pilot. Um, I learned how to take uh, do photography uh, and started to to sort of expand my own internal uh, personal skills because I think after a while you just get so focused on work that you sort of neglect yourself. And so I took that year off to to sort of invest in myself. Uh, but now three years after starting Support Ninja. Here we are. Uh, it's, a, it's a fairly successful company now, and we're, we're growing ever more. Uh, and so that's that's kind of it for now. Yeah. That's awesome. That's that's really cool. Um, I I wanted to ask you about you know growing up in adverse circumstances that really impacts you impacts your development as a human. So you know you you hear about a lot of people who start something when they're very young and that becomes their thing and they might not have uh, the time or the quote-unquote opportunities to go and explore other parts of their life. And so if you were just working, say, from 15 to 22 or something like that and trying to, I mean, you were in foster care when you started your, your first business um, as I believe you've told me, but also I, I read it on your website. Um, it, it develops you in a certain way where all of a sudden uh, you were able to step back and decide that you needed to develop other parts of your, your life. Yeah. Is, is that right? Am I, am I on the right track here? Yeah, and, and I, I would actually add on to that that you know I'm actually a high school dropout. Okay. I never finished high school, and that's partly – uh, like that has to do with my, my parents dying and um, me just focusing all my effort on my business because it was my, it was my business that was able to eventually support my growth. And uh, many years later, uh, even after I've, I've lost businesses, I, I feel like I could write a whole book on just getting screwed over by business partners. Uh, but eventually I achieved, I achieved a, that certain level of success with my hosting company. And it was during that, that year of sort of self-discovery, if you will, that I was like very fearful, like, what can I do? Like, Am I going to be able to, uh, like, should I start another hosting company? Should I, what can I do? I'm, I'm not, I don't have a degree. I don't really know. And so I was concerned, like, I wouldn't be able to start any other company or do anything that, that was already outside of my existing skill set. 
So that was a, that was my concern. But so so was it first computer programming? What is that right? You said your hosting company was that in the early days. What did you start off? What was your first business? Remind me. Uh, it was a hosting company. Yes. Okay. I started off as a reseller account with Hostgator, and so okay. I just grew it from there. Uh, it, it was it was quite interesting. Where I, it was just me and a friend, and we like we just wanted to go start a hosting company because we uh, we needed money for an Xbox, uh, and his mom wanted to give him the money, and so he was actually the one who came up with the idea. But then our partnership fell apart within a week. But then it was after that 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 week where I I found something that truly interested me for once. Um, I was constantly picked on and bullied in school. I was never never really had a place to fit in, and so this was the one thing that I found that. I felt like I could prove to others uh, and, and like show myself that I could be successful. That's that's really interesting. And then you just you just kept grinding away. And did you find yourself just burying yourself in work or in the computer, uh, or that just became your identity? Or I'd like to kind of dive in because personally, yeah, sometimes when I'm stressed I just work more or when I have other things going on in my life that I probably should be more paying more attention to uh, or for example I will, I'll get anxious from time to time in my life but I know if I go and work and I put that mental energy that chatter into the work then I feel better even if I'm not working on the right thing which you can fall into that trap which we can get into later at least I had an output it's like Kind of, some people like to run. Some people, some people like to work. Um, so yeah, tell me, tell me about that. How was that for uh, you? Well, I would definitely say, for the longest time, I buried, I buried my my sort of sort of inner sorrows within the work. Um, I remember like like the night that my mom died. I like the as soon as I got the news, I, I watched a movie and then I went straight to work. And I think that I mean technically that's that's kind of one way of grieving, if you will. Um, I think uh, there's some people that they sort of suppress that, and they they're not really sure if they ever get if they ever accept it. Uh, and it was it was an interesting process writing the book of, of actually. Uh, so I, I hired a company, and we we had weekly sessions, weekly calls where um, the, the writers sort of like extracted all this information out of me. Uh, and it was it was kind of an emotional journey, if you will. Sure. Um, but it was something that that I got over. Uh, but there was a, a huge period of my life where I was just always on the computer, and it was the only thing I knew. Uh, and so it was it, it was hard. Um, but then eventually I, I learned, and I I was able to get away from the computer, able to um, sort of discover the, these these things that I had an interest in when I was when I was a child, but I didn't really explore. Didn't think I was capable of. Uh, and I would, I would say, for example, is uh, the Microsoft Flight Simulator. I would always open that up randomly whenever I'm stressed to just go fly a plane, just mm. even if it's for a few minutes. And when I was younger, I would just, uh, my, my dad was, uh, he was in a band, and so he had a piano around the house. And so sometimes I would just get on and play for a few minutes, have no idea like how to play music or anything, but I would just play. And so later on, many years later, I realized, like, wait, these are actually intrinsic interests that I had as a child. Um, so I started to learn how to play piano. I started to learn how to take pictures. Uh, and I actually became a pilot to, to learn how to fly planes. And so these are all sort of those, those inner child, those, those interests. And I feel like we, we have a lot of those as people, but sometimes we, we get too distracted in our lives and what's going on that we kind of forget that. I really like that. And you said intrinsic interests. And I jotted that down so that we can revisit. But I wanted to to go back a little bit to the days when you were grinding away on your uh, on your hosting company. So did that was that your ticket out of foster care? Did you move out and get your own place or did you start another business? Uh, yeah, walk us through the story a little bit more. Uh, yeah, so uh, my so I was was living with my mom when I was 17. Uh, and and after my mom died, which uh, she, both my parents were alcoholics, so that was that's kind. Of, and, and she actually it was her second husband that died, so it was very traumatic for her. Um, and and during raising me and my sister, uh, like I I could sense that she loved us, and she just couldn't really take care of us. Um, so I don't I don't resent her, and I still love her as much as I you know as as much as I can. Uh, and then, but then after she died, uh, I was just kind of working on on my business, and so there was a period of time where I was trying to sort of like stay away from foster care. I was kind of like invisible, if you will. 
Um, eventually they found me and eventually I was in foster care while running the business. And actually my, my book starts out where I'm, I'm being driven to foster care and uh, my server actually crashed that day. And so uh, it, like my server, which is all my hosting clients, and so this is my business, which is my, the, the only thing that I really valued in life was that business. And so I go to foster care and then I'm not able to restore my servers and I get a call from Scotland Yard because apparently they received enough fraud reports that they, they were like doing an investigation. And I was just like, just all these things all at once. And it was like the, the most terrible moment um, ever. Um, but eventually I was able to, to restart the business and regrow it. And then uh, eventually I partnered up with a guy up in Vancouver. And I eventually, once I turned 18, I moved up to Vancouver and he kind of became like a father figure to me. I started, we started to, to, to continue to grow the business. I merged my business into his business. Um, eventually, we found somebody who was a penny stock trader, uh, and I, I didn't like the guy, um, but we ended up signing a tentative agreement to sell the company uh, to him in exchange for, uh, essentially, he was going to find us investors, and so he sort of wheeled me around for a few months to all these different people, having me pitch to them, telling them that I'm like the miniature Bill Gates, and then eventually we find out that he was, uh, like, he had previous fraud, like, he's defrauded people in the past. And so then we tried to get out of it, and then he pulled a lot of devious tricks. Uh, I never thought somebody could be so devious, and, and so we ended up giving him the company. But not before he damaged the company significantly in an attempt to get us to, to, to have him, like, just give him the company. And so he damaged the reputation, and it was just kind of in free fall. So by the time he got it, um, he had to do a fire sale, which is when you sell a company for significantly less than what it's actually worth. And then I was left with, what am I going to do next? So I moved down to Seattle. I lived there. I'm still kind of alone again. And I'm really questioning what am I going to do? Like, I don't have a degree. Uh, I tried applying for jobs, and I couldn't get any jobs. I tried to apply for a web design job because a lot of my work, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're kind of a jack of all trades. And I went to a Starbucks, and, like, I remember there, there was a part of the interview when they asked me to, okay, open up a code editor. And so code us an HTML page, and I couldn't do that because... When you're an entrepreneur, you sort of like find shortcuts. Sure. And so I would find a template and I would edit the template in Dreamweaver. That was my version of, of editing. And so I just like, I was just like blanked out. And I was just so blunt to, to the guys. I was like, I'm sorry, I just completely failed this interview. And then they tried to like make it up by saying, well, show us your bookmarks. And so I showed them all my bookmarks in my web design folder. Um, but yeah, the, the, that was a, it was a period of real struggle for me. And I decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to start another hosting company um, because it's all I knew how to do. And so that's exactly what I did. And just through, through sheer might, uh, I was eventually able to, to make it even more successful, and I sold it for under a million dollars a few years later. Uh, and then that's I moved to L.A. after Seattle, so I lived in L.A. for about two years. Also tried to become an actor. Realized it really wasn't my, my interest. Where, my where did that come from? That threw me for a loop. Uh, it, it, was, it was something I've, I've always thought about doing. Um, but I don't think that my, my passion was really there. Okay. Um, and it was just something that I realized I had in my business. It was, this was my, what I've been doing. And it didn't feel like it really synced with sort of my, my inner, uh, inner will. Uh, it, it, I didn't really have the intri intrinsic motivation. I'd say it's actually more extr extrinsic factors of like success and, and, and all, that, all those, those fake things. And so I, that's sort of like the, a lesson of learning of like, that really wasn't um, what interested me. Uh, so I dropped that, and then I still was running my business. I moved back to Cincinnati for a year, which is where I grew up with my, with my mom. And uh, that's eventually when I sold the company. Then I moved down here to Austin. Uh, and then uh, I had another company that I sold, which was a support company. It, it can get confusing because I have a lot of companies. Uh, but eventually, uh, I started Support Ninja, which is a completely different company from the hosting company that, that, that I had. Wow. And, and so you mentioned before that it was uh, that you got screwed over, that you could write a book on possibly being screwed over by business partners, one of which whom was this guy in Vancouver, this penny stock trader. Uh, is that right? And then there were other circumstances. Uh, did, and, and my question is, did you feel like you were just young and impressionable and didn't have that person looking over your shoulder? Or how did, how did that happen? Uh, there, there, I mean, certainly I was a little naive, but it was also, uh, it was also fear 
uh, fear because I didn't really understand a whole aspect of the business of, of the business registration, of the taxes. None of that stuff interested me. And I only want to focus on the marketing and, and the website and the branding and, and building sure. up the actual business because that's what interested me. And so I found that partner that I was like, okay, I'll just like offload all that stuff to you. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, he didn't do everything properly. Um, and I don't blame him for that. Like he was, he's, he's a very good person and I, I, I don't blame him for any of that. Um, but I partnered up with him with the intention that he would handle this, that I would not have to worry about it or even look at it. And, you know, it obviously came back to bite me. And so when that business ended and I was faced with what am I going to do, there was all this fear about, I don't know how to register a business. I don't know how, how to pay my taxes. Uh, I, I don't know all these things about running a business because I didn't go to business school. And it was just that fear. Um, but I, I realized at the same time I had no other option. And so I, I would say if there's anything that set me off on, on my level of success as it is today, it's because I didn't have my parents' basement to go live back in. I didn't have my degree that I could just go get a job in. You know, it was either, for me, in my mind, it was either working McDonald's or make something successful. Uh, and that's the only option I gave myself. That's, uh, that's pretty incredible. And, well, I'm glad that you're not working at McDonald's, uh, as, I'm, as I'm sure you are as well. <laughs> so, okay, you're building the, these different businesses. Um, at some point... You talked about, okay, so you talked about intrinsic interests and intrinsic motivations and you, but there was necessity for you to build these things. Otherwise it was, you didn't have anything. You would have been homeless or, or working at uh, McDonald's. So do you ever, so could you take me back to that concept where, all right, uh, for example, you're a pilot now or you like to fly planes and that was something that was interest uh, that became an interest of yours in childhood. Could you walk us through maybe if somebody out there is thinking about things that they love? Uh, for example, I grew up hiking and uh, in the outdoors and just always in the forest in my backyard where I grew up in kind of just a suburban area, but there was some some nice forest behind the house and uh, in the neighborhood and. That came back years later in life. I said, wow, yeah, I forgot how much I really loved that, uh, especially when that was magnified, like in a place like Iceland or Machu Picchu doing the Inca Trail. I just loved it. So if someone out there is trying to find out right, what their passion is, should they be looking at those intrins intrinsic interests or should they just say, no, you know, I have to focus on what's going to make me the money. What's your take on that? Uh, there's a, well, those interests, the, 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 the photography, the, the pilot, that's never something that I started with the intention of making money. Uh, that's always just an interest that I realized that I had when I was younger. And, uh, it, and, and it's interesting, like when, when you're up, up there in a plane, you can't think of anything else. It's sort, sort of like a form of meditation. Sure. Like you're, you're, you're forced to be present. Uh, and so it, there's obviously activities that, that we go to in life that make us money, um, but those are quite often different from what actually uh, what interests us. Um, and in some ways, that's capitalism. Uh, hopefully, if we get into a discussion of AI or, uh, or that future, that's, that's possible where we can have more people that are able to just focus on things that really truly intrinsically interest them. Um, but there's also just that fear aspect of like when I was running the business, uh, there was that fear of like, I can't be successful. But if I didn't have that pushback of, uh, I only have so much money, I don't have a degree, I can't do these things. This is my only option. I literally made mentally, that was my only option. And, uh, and, there, and there was other things like the idea of uh, becoming a pilot, um, all it takes is like $150 and you go up into a, into a discovery flight. And there's a lot of people who, who don't have the money to, to, to do something, but maybe they, they raise something on, on a crowdfunding platform. There's always a way to do whatever you want. Uh, it's how much effort and, and how much intrinsic motivation do you really have to, to go towards that goal. Uh, and there's an aspect of, uh, I've read another book called Life Optimization 101, where I sort of realized that I, if, I, if I look back at myself uh, and an earlier self, I, was, I, I had no self-confidence. Um, I was in the lowest lowest math class. I I dropped out of out of high school. I never fit in. 
you know, I thought like nobody, uh, I, I at some point thought that I could never be loved uh, and that nobody would ever care for me. And I had this, this fear that I would die without anybody ever knowing I had ever existed. And so I had all these fears of not fitting in, of these anxieties, of these social anxieties. Uh, and eventually I was able to, to push back and I realized that uh, you sort of have some success and then that raises your self-confidence. And so the, the minute I changed my mindset, um, you know, you can call it fixed mindset, growth mindset, whatever you want, that I was able to realize like all these things I'm potentially able to achieve. It's just how much uh, thought, how much motivation, how much energy do I want, do I want to devote towards it? Uh, and that was truly like a mind-changing moment of realizing that I can really do whatever I set my mind to. Uh, and so often we tell ourselves, oh, I can't start that business, or I can't be, fly an airplane. Uh, and it's just amazing. Like Once you actually start accomplishing it, it's like, wow, I did all that stuff. Uh, and so I just it's hard to describe, but once you start going up that path, you realize that what you're limited to is not really what you thought you were limited to. How did you change your mind into a growth mindset? I started reading lots of articles. Uh, that's probably how it started, you know, Forbes, Inc. articles. And then I thought when I, when I was reading those articles that it was work. So I used, I, I started to just realize like I could learn knowledge. And uh, you also start to read lots of books. I used to, I used to hate read books. I absolutely hated reading books. Um, but eventually, it, once you sort of establish the habit, I started creating this habit. Like I, I read like one book called Eat That Frog, which started me realizing, oh, I'm procrastinating all these things. And so I, I read one book and one book, and then I started to form sort of my keystone habits of my, my reading, my writing, um, and uh, meditation. And so all these, these things sort of form like a keystone habit for me. Um, I could probably go on, but I think I lost my point. That, that's okay. Tell me about these keystone habits. Is this something that, you, have you written down your values? Have you written down your, oh, yes, these things that you, that you want to live by, that you want to focus by? I read an article of yours that said that you, uh, okay, so these keystone habits, are these something that you have written down along with your values, and are these something that you reflect upon Monthly, weekly, maybe even daily. Tell me about that. Uh, well, well, I do have personal values. I think everybody should write down their personal values because it ends up being a filter at which you make your own decisions through. So, uh, you know, life changes, your circumstances, environment always changes. But if you have your values, then you can ask yourself, is this decision like in line with my personal values? Uh, when it comes to the Keystone habits, there's been lots and lots of, I, I've literally read every book on habits. Uh, like the power of habits, uh, it just I, I, I wish I could name all of them, but there were just so many books, and I, I literally read every single one. And there, there were a few that talked about keystone habits, about habits that really can set your day, and they, they sort of create that uh, that energy, that that platform for you to accomplish bigger and greater things. And it's easier to apply sort of. Uh, so I have my my morning routine uh, where I kind of consider my mind, my body, my soul. So I will wake up, I will uh, go to the gym, or, or I'll go to a run. Um, sometimes I go to, a, to the rock climbing gym, so I try and alternate that. And then I'll do reading for 30 minutes, just 30 minutes. Uh, I've, I've had people who thought like, are oh, you only reading for 30 minutes? Yep, just 30 minutes. I'm able to read so many books in a year just by 30 minutes a day. And then after that, I've been doing meditation, so 20 minutes of zazen meditation, okay. uh, which is just basically counting down from 10 and restarting. And then now I've been able to add on to that. So I've been using a routines app. I actually have a blog post on my website where I talk about this, this app and my, my routines as well, uh, where then I'm able to do other things. Like I have a Willings blood pressure monitor. So I'll actually log my blood pressure every single morning and it goes into the app. So I'm actually recording my health data. Um, I, I did a Duolingo. I was doing that for a while. I stopped doing that. But it was a Duolingo for learning Spanish. And I went through the whole course which I have yet to meet another person who's gone, who's gone through the whole Duolingo session for one language from start to finish. Uh, and then also I've been writing for 30 minutes every day. That's been the most challenging um, because every time I write, I, I, I feel like I'm a failure and I can't do this. But then I just, uh, I try and tell myself actually that uh, there, there's a, like Ernest Hemingway, one of his strategies was that he could, uh, he, he 
could write, but he would not be allowed to do anything else. So he he didn't have to write, but he couldn't do anything else for like that period of time. That oh, that's writing. cool. And so I, I use that strategy on top of telling myself I'm writing for myself because there's always that critic telling yourself that you like this is not going to be good enough. But if you just tell yourself, oh no, I'm just writing for myself, then it's a lot easier to get past that, and I've been able to get like words out of my head much quicker with that. Um, so, you know, my, my, again, my, my keystone habits would be that, that meditation, that, that, uh, the reading and the, the exercise, um, and then everything else is just sort of adding on to that where eventually you can just sort of build and build and build. How do you stick to those habits? That's what everybody wants to know. How, how are you so disciplined that you do all those things every single morning and do you ever fall off track? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I very rarely do I skip my reading or my, my gym. Um, I've been skipping the meditation a lot more frequently, but I've been actually finding it to be more helpful in circumstances. So if I come home from work at like five or six and I'm feeling like amped up or I'm tired, it's, it's a really great way to sort of reset my mind. And actually I've been able to use triggers now. So if I realize that I'm stressed out, um, I actually just read a, a fantastic book on emotions recently that actually talks about how you should label your emotions. And that actually allows you to determine what actions you should take. Uh, and so like, if you tell yourself that you're, you're depressed, that could be a number of things. But if you realize your depression is being caused by you feeling lonely, then you can call a friend. And so by sort of going down and labeling these individual emotions, you can do those things. And I've been able to see if I'm stressed or if I'm angry. It's sort of like the, the, the person who, you know, if you can get angry, but you realize like you don't go out on a rage, um, I, I think anybody who goes out and you, you just lose your temper, that's, that's a decision. It's not something that your, your, your brain is just like you're out of control. Every, everything that you do is a decision. And so when I, whenever I get stressed now, I'm able to realize, like, oh, meditation. And I'm able to realize that's what I need, need to do. And there's been times uh, where I come home uh, or just on my way, um, I realize like I, ha I have this thought of like, I, I feel like I should go run. And, and that's, those are the times that we always procrastinate. Like you get those thoughts of like something that you should do, but then we always ignore it because it, it'd be too much trouble. And, and there's times where it's like I would, I would ignore that, that little thought of like, I should go run. And, and the times when I did follow that thought, when I was like, oh, I'm lazy, I don't want to do it. But then I told myself, I had a thought, I should go do it. And then I go run and it's, it's a fantastic run. Like I've had, I, I, I wouldn't say I've ever been a runner, but there's been times when I've run and it's just been the most fantastic, amazing, like, experiences of, of running down and being able to experience the sun, the, the wind, uh, and just, it can be incredible. It depends on how you view it, whether you're present, if you're listening to a podcast, if you're listening to music. These are all experiences that we sort of translate internally based on how present we are with, with the moment. Um, I don't think I answered your question, but I do fall off the wagon sometimes, but when it comes to the meditation, uh, that, that's kind of an occasional thing, um, but the, the, uh, the reading and the exercise, that has been uh, formational, and then, uh, and then, yeah. So are these things in your calendar, and you just, on 15, 20-minute increments, and you just commit to doing them no matter where in the world you are? I know that you travel to the Philippines all the time. How, okay, anybody can put these things in their calendar, right? They go from your, whatever your... Uh, list of to-dos are and then okay everybody says if you're if you want to make them real they have to be scheduled put them in your calendar yeah my calendar is pretty booked up with everything but life gets in the way 15 more minutes of sleep uh, something pops up and you get sucked in your email first thing in the morning for 10 minutes how do you stick to your calendar is i assume it's all in your calendar uh, well I, there is a calendar called like the daily agenda and so that is one strategy of forming your, your habits is if you sort of map out your day, you know, uh, your, your sleep, uh, your exercise, et cetera. And so you can do that. Personally, I've never been, like I have that, but I never look at it. I did it because a book recommended I do it. Uh, what I do is I simply prioritize uh, my habits above everything else. And, uh, and, and I would say one of the key things of habit formation is, you know, if you can establish your habits and consistently in a single environment, that's great. But try and do those when you travel. That's like a whole other story because our environment has so many impacts on our ability to, to form habits. And in fact, one, one really interesting thing. So next time you travel, uh, I would say next time come back and ask yourself, what bad habits did you have? And try and stop them. And it's going to be a lot easier to 
not continue those same bad habits when you come back from a travel because you sort of reset your mind. So every time I travel, I always come back and I'm like, what changes do I want to make now? And actually, my recent trip back from the Philippines, I've been able to, to sort of been on intermittent fasting. So basically, I eat for eight hours a day and I fast for 16 hours a day. And I never would have thought, like I had this mindset before, of like, oh, I need to wake up. I would wake up and have a protein shake. I felt like I absolutely needed to have that. And then in, in this last travel, I just, I was able to, to change that. And so when we removed the environment from our, our decision, we are able to kind of mold um, some of the habits that we want to have and we don't want to have. Um, but it's, it, it's hard to explain in some ways uh, because there's that part of our brain that we can't consciously access. We can only guess. And you started the intermittent fasting in the Philippines. Yes. I mean, well, it's a well, great well, strategy. Well, well, actually, I started it because there's lots of studies in, in science that shows that when you travel um, across time zones, the, uh, the, the second way of resetting your circadian rhythm is by, by food. Uh, so we have light and food. And so food can actually override our circadian rhythm. And so if you basically fast for 16 hours, and then you're able to withhold eating on the flight, you know, if you ignore the, the free food that they might give you, and wait till the very end or when you reach your destination, then that actually can reset your clock. And I actually found that actually worked quite well. Um, so it's, it was something where it was, uh, I had this mindset of like, I can't do it, I can't fast. But then I just committed. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do this. I'm not gonna be sleepy when I get, get over there. And then I was just like, huh, I've been able to, I did it. I actually did it. Like, wow, I, 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 actually, I actually went on a fasted for almost 24 hours. And I was like, wow. And I realized, like, can I do it again? And so there's actually multiple days when I was in the Philippines when I challenged myself. And so I had like a really big breakfast. And we had this amazing omelet guy. I took a photo with him because he's such an amazing, like, good-spirited person. But he would always make me the omelets every morning. And I also had this fear of, like, they have this amazing buffet with all these sweets and these desserts and these cookies. And the last few times I was there, I couldn't resist it. But I had a, what you, what you might call, like, a pre-mortem, where you sort of think about what you're going to do, uh, you know, if, if X, then Z, uh, or any variation of that. And so I imagined myself being in that buffet, because I've been there before, and not touching the desserts. And uh, so I would have, like, these really big breakfasts, and there was not one day when I was there for two weeks that I, I touched those, those cookies or those ice cream or any of that. And it was so, like, I was amazed. Like, I never thought that I could resist that. I've always had, uh, you know, people consider me like, uh, I have these amazing habits, but I never was able to have this control over food. And so now I've been able to show myself, you know, it goes back to that mindset again. I'm like, wow, I'm able, to, I'm able to actually do something that I thought I literally couldn't do before. And it's just, it's, it's hard to explain. I wish there was like an easy way I could like extract it and say like, this is how you do it. But it, it's, it's so hard to explain. It's like a mindset. Um, where I would also compare it um, in, in my little mini ebook, I also compare it like, you know, if you look at yourself in the mirror and you tell yourself that you're fat, but you, you, don't, you don't like it, maybe you're, you're self-conscious, but you, you try and do an easy way out. Maybe you take a diet pill, or maybe you try this diet and you try that diet, but you don't consciously stick to it. It's easy to go fall off the bandwagon because we don't have the right strategy, because you're not fully committed. And so this is just one of my theories, is that you're not fully committed to it. You don't take enough time to... to Go down the rabbit hole. Figure out why do you like feel this way. Um, you know what are those those deeper inner reasons that make you feel like you know that you're self-conscious or 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 what is your goal? Do you want to to be fit? Uh, and and if it's one strategy doesn't work, it's not saying oh I can't do it. It's saying okay that strategy doesn't work. It's, it's so so it's saying like I'm going to try to try this for, for three weeks. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to try that. And so often we don't make those those pre Cognitions, those, those pre-mortems of, of if, if, then, and I found that also to be tremendously helpful for me as well. Okay, so this is in your book, life, uh, your ebook, Life Optimization 101, is that correct? Okay, so let's try to walk someone through whose head might be spinning and saying, oh my God, how do I have habits like this guy? And you talked about your uh, pre-mortem and you had some type of visualization technique. So could you walk us through the habit formation? I really can't explain forming habits any better than those books or, or The Power of Habit could really explain it. Uh, but for me, I would say it's been, it's a mindset shift of you commit. You think about, it's not only asking yourself, uh, like realizing you want to do this, but asking yourself why. So I want to read a book and then, you know, People have these sort of these these outer ambitions of 
things that they want to do, but they don't really think about how they want to actually accomplish them. So it's like uh, it's it's like there's there's a uh, there's one page where I talk about the secret, you know, that that movie that that tells you that you need to take out all the desires and everything that you want in life and put it on a wall, and then every day you look at that vision board of all these things that you want, and that's great to show you all these things that you want, but it doesn't show you how to how to get there. It doesn't tell you uh, how, what what is the first step in order to start working yourself towards that goal. Uh, and I think in some ways I can teach the wrong message of just like, just wish it and it will come true. Although the first step probably is identifying and getting clear on what you want, right? So as long as you're clear, then, then tell people how they can take action. It's asking yourself why. It's, it's a very simple question for me of everything I do. It's like, if I want to read, uh, then it's like, oh, I want to be smarter. And so I, I define that to, okay, one way of getting smarter is by reading books. And so then you have a problem of like, oh, I can never, like, I had a Kindle for over a year because I thought buying it would help me to establish the habit. It never did. It was literally sitting on my shelf. I never opened it. And it was just thinking uh, a year later passed by. And then I was, you know, I, I tried to open it one time, but I never established the habit. And then after I started reading books about habits and I, I, I committed to it internally and, and the habit books told me, oh, you should start with smaller goals. So instead of saying like, like, one way for, I remember for, for exercise is that they say, if you always have trouble getting up in the morning going, going for exercise, one way is to try and trick your brain. And so you might go to, go to sleep in your gym clothes and you might make it super easy. So when you wake up, it's like you're already halfway there. In a right. sense. And so, uh, and so that when I was doing the, reading a book, I initially, I actually just committed to reading 30 minutes a day. And so that's a habit that's stuck for, for years. And I've been doing that for six plus years of just reading 30 minutes a day. I haven't tried to change it. I haven't tried to make it an hour a day. I haven't tried to make it a book a day or anything, anything ridiculous. It's just been 30 minutes a day consistently. That's what I've been able to stick to. Uh, and so if you have a habit that you're trying to, to perform, uh, maybe you need to lower, the, lower that initial goal and then just aim to have that initial goal. I know that there are websites like uh, 21habits.com uh, where there's, there's the Jerry Seinfeld technique where it's the, it's the don't break the chain, so sure. you have that for like 21 days, which is the, which is the theory that it takes about two weeks for, for a habit to, to, to start, um, and then it becomes automatic. So a lot of people think that you know if you wake up every morning and go to the gym, like how can I go to the gym every morning, or how can I run? It's not really something of a, of a, of a willpower issue, because eventually it becomes that habit, so you don't have to fight yourself every, every time. And in fact, I feel bad if I don't exercise. And so uh, if, I, if I'm not able to do it in the morning, I come back and I do it later at night. And there's actually been days where I've actually been exercising twice. I'll do, say, a run in the morning, and then I'll, I've been actually trying to get myself to do the high-intensity interval exercise. Or it's called HIT. And I always thought, like, oh, I, I never want to do that because every time I got on the treadmill, I would never want to do that. But then now I've been able to initiate a, a mindset where I, I can predetermine that's what I'm going to do. And on top of that, I've actually been putting my, my phone on top of the treadmill. So I've been watching TED videos, uh, whereas previously I would always watch podcasts. And that was another issue. Like when, when I started running, I always thought I can only listen to music. But then I realized, like, oh, I don't, I don't really commute very much, but I can actually listen to podcasts. And I thought, oh, I can never run without listening. I need my music. But it was another, there was another mindset. And so now I've, I've been able to consistently sort of optimize all my time progressively. And it's just, it's amazing to look back at, uh, if I look back at myself like a year ago or six months ago, once you start reading consistently, you realize like, wow, I, I know so many things. Like it's, it's hard to describe the knowledge that you can, that you pick up from books, but sometimes you're just able to look back at yourself, you know, your younger self and you're realize, wow, I was stupid. Or like, wow, I wish I had started doing this a lot earlier. And so there's that, that Chinese proverb that I like to say a lot of like, you know, the, 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 the first, like the, the best time to plant a tree was ten years ago, and the second best time is, is today. That's a great proverb. I, I, I like that one. Um, you talked about finding love for yourself, or you even said something about not die. You didn't want to die without anybody knowing that you even existed and it sounds like that you wanted to leave a legacy and you wanted to uh, fulfill your your life's plan here on earth for lack of a better term could, could you go back to that because this is something that people 
struggle with a lot when they say, why am I here? What is, and I'm not asking you, I guess, to, to define the meaning of life here, but uh, if people are zooming out and looking at the big picture and saying, what am I going to do while I'm here on, that, on this planet for the short amount of time, what would you tell them? Uh, well, I would say it started when I was younger, uh, being picked on, being bullied, um, and then losing my parents, and then feeling like I could never um, have love. And also, I have Asperger's, and so that makes me very, uh, you know, I, I have I have no understanding of, of social uh, dynamics or like body language or social tone, and so it's something that I had to learn by reading books. And so I. I became immensely interested in psychology and body language and all these things, so now I can understand those things. Um, but I always thought that I, I, I was stupid, and I could never achieve these, these things, and I'd always look at these people and be like, oh, I can never do that. And so as my self-confidence grew, I realized that I needed to, there was, there was one book that I realized that uh, when, you, when you hate yourself, it, it hurts you. It hurts your ability to, to move forward, to Absolutely. accomplish things. And, and there was a sticky note I put on my, my shower for a while. Uh, and there was a quote that um, is something along the lines uh, of, of like, just if you put, I love myself unconditionally right now. And if you read that every day, eventually you'll actually believe it. And so now whenever I come across something, if I didn't do well, um, or if I had a podcast where I didn't feel like I did a great job, I will tell myself, you know, it's okay. It's, it's, it's whatever. I don't blame myself. I don't hate myself. And that was a big mindset shift. And when you go to what is your why, I guess is, is a simpler way of asking that, is it's a very difficult question to answer, and everybody always has their own why. But I can see it as, as a, for me, one of my values is servant leadership. So I, I, I've never been a great leader, uh, or, or that's what I've, I've told myself. Um, but it's something I'm trying to, to, to become better at. So I want to help lead others to their success. It's, it's why I'd like to continue this, despite running a company, why I'm trying to, to, to do a book and trying to, to write and help others on the side. Uh, and I love giving advice. Every time I, I get, I'll get people who read my articles and they say, like, wow, this really helped me. And like, that gives me like a little tingle inside to, 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 to hear that. And, and so for me, I hope to inspire other entrepreneurs because I came from this, this story of you know, what, what connected to me was growing up poor, went to a rich high school, being picked on, all these things. And so I see so many other opportunities for these other young entrepreneurs who, could, who grew up in, in poor circumstances and maybe they don't believe in themselves. And I want to inspire them and tell themselves, it's, it's all you. Like you don't need money, you don't need all these, these extrinsic things. You are fully capable 100% within you of accomplishing whatever you, whatever you dream of. And uh, now when it comes to helping others, I think that's, that's something you know, that, that you can have a why for. Uh, and there's also the idea, I, I like the idea of like Elon Musk. So he's trying to help the world by, by helping humanity, by building new technologies. And you have other people who go and they, they help. And, and presently you have Bill Gates, who's trying to help fund research and, and other organizations to help others who are less fortunate. So uh, Bill Gates is helping the present, Elon Musk is helping the future. And so if you're in any of those categories where you're either um, creating art that can be enjoyed by, by others, maybe music, uh, maybe painting, or you're helping the present, um, people in the present. I know my, my uh, CEO, his name is Connor, he's, he's an amazing person and his goal, he really wants to start a platform for helping others and allowing you to easily see the money that you donate to see exactly where it goes because there's so much discrepancies in terms of when you donate money, you don't really know where it's going. So he wants to solve that. Uh, and, and then you have this, this other version of maybe you can make a new technology or a platform. I think recently we've been having this explosion of, of like social media apps and it's just in Silicon Valley and San Francisco just been in all these like all these apps that are just trying to make, uh, make a buck so they can get bought up, but they're not really changing the world. You know, we had all this vision of like all these, these, these cars and this, these amazing things that we could have accomplished. Um, but I think there's, you know, money got, got in the way to some extent. Um, but I see Support Ninja and everything I've accomplished as sort of a foundation to what I can accomplish next. And I have lots of goals for what I would like to do personally uh, and what I would like to do to help others. But I do feel much more, uh, much more of a why behind writing and speaking and just trying to inspire others so that they can help humanity in their own way. 
And I think that's something that I've discovered through myself. It's still something I'm understanding. Uh, I don't think I'll ever fully understand. And I think that's a part of that. You just have to be okay with that. That's, that's great because that's that network effect. That's why I hope lots of people listen to this and it inspires them to create greater habits for themselves and help other people and then become servant leaders and, and all of these things. So I think we're on the right path here. Um, what's, what's next? I know that you want to get this book published. Um, I know that you want to help young people, especially people who come from disadvantaged backgrounds. Yeah, what's, what's, on, the, what, what's on the horizon? Uh, well, I'm working right now, we're working at trying to build a sort of a R&D division of the company. So what we call Ninja Labs. And because right now we, we work with lots of big companies, but we service their, their backend or we service their customer support. And there's obviously a lot of technology that goes behind that. So we're using whatever their technology is. But I see a way to make that more efficient, to optimize that. And then we're also going into a future where we, where we have data, where we have big data, um, AI. So but currently, there's, there's an aspect from, from the company ambition of how can we create more assets for the company and allow it to be stable and, and to grow. So I have sort of my hand on that. While I sort of have also have my hand in my, my, own, my own personal brand where I'm trying to, to write and getting over that, that idea of like, I can't write, well, just write. It's okay. And, uh, and, and also would like to start my own podcast where I love talking about these. Uh, I love going down the rabbit hole. And one thing I've never really seen in another podcast is actually exploring sort of the, the habits and the mindset that led to somebody to be successful. Instead of just asking them, you know, what is your current business? How much money does it make? What is your current strategy so that other people listening can copy it? What is rather the mindset that you came to over a period of time? And what are the habits that eventually allowed you to form that idea in the first place? I think that could be a, an interesting topic that I'd like to explore on my own with other successful individuals and you know, hopefully share that because I think too often we look at this famous actor or that famous person and we're like, wow, I want to be that. But they don't take time to understand what was the, what was the digression, what was that time period of that? What, what were they like, what were they thinking when they were 20 or 25 and how did that, that shift what life experiences and what books and what, what experiences in general caused them to eventually become successful in their own way. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I'm, uh, I'm happy to hear. I hope that you go out and publish that and you continue to write. I was impressed with the amount of content that you had out since I had read one of your last posts. Um, yeah, I read a, some of your posts this summer and then I looked and yeah, you have a lot more content out on your site. Of course, at the end, uh, as we wrap up here, we can have we can shout out the link to your URL and all that. But I wanted to, as we wrap up, I wanted to ask you if you had any overarching advice for young people out there or for old people. You know, I I really can't stand when there are people who identify as old and they say it's too late in the game. Like uh, bad example, but. Colonel Sanders, yeah, how old was exactly, how old was he? Exactly what came to my mind. Exactly, and of course it's Kentucky Fried Chicken. But uh, you know, I hope everybody out there uh, decides to go and launch healthier businesses than Kentucky Fried Chicken. But that is an admirable uh, personal accomplishment to start something. And he was in his sixty. He started with a Social Security check, I believe. Um, but regardless of age. You don't have to be under 30. Do you have overarching advice for anybody who wants to continue to develop that mindset uh, where they think that anything is possible, where they're not 60-something years old and say, oh my God, I don't understand technology, I don't know how to do this, or you're not the... 35-year-old woman who says, oh, God, there's no hope for me. I can't, you know, in a few short years, I'm going to be infertile. No man wants me. I'm just going to uh, sit here and have a, a pity party about it. What would you tell those people so that they have hope that they can accomplish the things that they really want to in life? Well, I, I could start off being cliche and saying, you know, go out and do 
whatever it is you want to do, don't let life stop you. Um, but there's another aspect that I don't think is, is touched upon very much is that you never see a depressed person starting a successful company. You never see them successful. Uh, you always have to uh, be, be successful in your own mind before you can actually be successful in, in external circumstances. So I would say start off the foundation. Uh, if, if you have emotions, if you're depressed, or if you have rough periods in your life, um, try and get over that. Try, well, I would say try and get over that, but try and uh, understand that. Try and, and understand that you're coming from, you, you, know, you need to build up, right? You need to build your foundation. And so starting a successful, you, you can't start a successful company if you're not somebody who, who can't uh, make your bed every, every day. And there, there's, a, there's a great UT, there, there, there's a great speech by this, uh, by the, for it was a UT speech where he said that the one thing that you should do every day is make your bed. And I can say that I make my bed every day. And it's a, it's a very small thing I don't even think about. But there were so many years uh, in the past where I would just get up and I would not make it because what's the point? And so you start establishing these small habits. You start uh, realizing that these, these negative thoughts are not good. And you're able to sort of push yourself and grow from, from the bottom up. And so I've sort of I've focused on my health, uh, my, my internal well-being. I've continued to read, and I realized like reading was, was a keystone habit to that. Um, I would not be where I am today if I wasn't reading every single day. That's a, it's a true aspect. That's one of my values is growth. I must be growing. And so if you can have that, you, you have these, these values, and you continue to work up, and eventually, yes, you can be successful. Whatever that may be, whether that's starting a business, uh, whether it's, it's becoming a pilot uh, or any profession that you like. Um, but yeah, start from the bottom, work your way up. Don't try and go all the way into like, whatever it is that you want to go to. Start from the bottom. Cody, that sounds like a, a formula to, for people to set themselves up for success. Literally, if people out there want to connect with you online, if they want to read some of your work, where would you send them? Uh, you can visit my website, CodyMcLean.com. It's M-C-L-A-I-N.com. Uh, or follow me on Twitter, just Twitter.com slash Cody Cody, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Thank you sir. Yo, Live Different Podcast listeners, you know what to do. You love the episode if you listened this far. Go to iTunes. Show us some love. Please, that's all we ask, a little five-star review. Just a little review. That's all we need. Send it to a friend who needs to get their ass in gear. We're trying to do good work here, and we need your help. Hey, you know what? Special offer. Send me an email personally. I will write back. Matt at under30experiences.com. I want to know your feedback, and then I want to meet you in person. Maybe our yoga retreat. Maybe our fitness retreat. Who knows? Check out under30experiences.com. Go do something awesome with your life.